Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. You took me out of the miry clay, out of the horrible pit, amen, and he placed my feet upon a rock. Amen. And I'm not talking about the rock Gibraltar, amen. I'm not talking about rock cocaine, Brother Cooper, amen. I'm talking about the rock Jesus Christ, hallelujah, amen. Put my feet upon a rock, hallelujah. And he gave me a purpose, amen, to, to, to smile, reason to smile, amen. I didn't always smile, amen, and I thank God that he put a smile back on my face and gave me some reason, amen. Tonight, if you have your Bibles, amen, I want you to open with me to the book of Acts chapter 27, and I'm going to read verses 20 through 26 as my text. And as you're turning there tonight, you know, church, my, the, my title of my message tonight is, It's Not What It Looks Like. I didn't say it's not. I said it's not what it looks like tonight. Amen. And I remember when I, when I was, I don't know, maybe about eight or nine years old, and I was, my mom in our family, she was known as the tamale lady, and she was known as, amen, Thea Angie that always cooked carrot cake. That was one of her things. She loved carrot cake, and she could make a carrot cake. And I was curious one day, I was watching her make the carrot cake, and you know, she had the mixing bowl on the table, and she had all the ingredients that she was putting together and putting inside of it. And, you know, she had the flour and the baking soda and the nutmeg and the brown sugar and, 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 the, and the raisins. And she's putting it all in there and the eggs and stuff. And as I'm watching her, she reaches into the cajon. She brings out of the cupboard. She gets a, a, some, a, a grater, and she goes and she gets these carrots, and she's washing them off, and she starts grating carrots into this cake mix. And I go, ugh, that don't even look right. You're going to put vegetables in a cake? You didn't mess it all up now. And so because I made that gesture and I made those comments, she looked at me. She goes, you ain't getting none. You ain't getting enough. For open your big mouth, you ain't getting none. And after she put that thing inside of a cake pan and stuck it in the oven at, you know, 450 degrees for about 35 minutes. I don't know how much it was, but I'm just kind of guessing as I'm going along. Amen. And she put that thing inside the oven. And after a while, that smell, that carrot cake just started permeating through the house. Man, I was salivating, just thinking, man, I'm going to get me a piece of this carrot cake. And she took it out of the oven. My mom, what she used to do, she would take the, 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 the cake pans and she'd flip them upside down on a, on a plate. And then while they were still kind of warm, she would put that white frosting on top of it. So it kind of melted right into the cake. And I'm sitting there looking at it. She goes, I don't know why you're looking at it because you ain't getting none. She goes, it's not what it looks like, huh? And it always stuck with me. It's not what it looks like. Well, here in this portion of Scripture, Paul, he's, 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 he's right in the middle of a miracle, but he's also right in the middle of a mistake. And sometimes the two, amen, they're kind of the same thing. It's all about perspective. It's how you see things. And I want you to know tonight, amen, here we're reminded, amen, in this portion of Scripture, and I want you to see with me tonight, amen, that sometimes it is not what it looks like. What you might be going through tonight, what you may have gone, gone through over the last few years, I want you to know tonight it's not what it looks like. We've got to get a different perspective. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 20, it says, When neither sun nor star appeared for many days, and the storm continued to rage, that we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they had gone a long time without food, Paul, he stood up before them and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete, and then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost, and only the ship is going to be destroyed. And last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, he stood beside me and he said, Do not 
be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you, and so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me, but nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Amen. Let's pray tonight, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word because it's alive, Lord God. It's powerful, and Lord, it has the ability, Lord God, to change things, Lord God, in our life. And Father, I just pray tonight, Lord God, that you would examine my heart, Lord God, if there's anything in my life tonight, Lord, that that would hinder your spirit from moving the way that you want to move. I bow my heart before you in repentance, Lord God, and ask you to forgive me, Lord God, where I may have fallen short, whether consciously or subconsciously, Lord, if there's anything, Lord God, wash me in the blood of Jesus right now and fill me fresh and anew with your Holy Spirit and empower me, Lord God. Open up every blind eye and every death there in the spiritual realm to receive, Lord God, that we leave this place better men and women than when we came in. And, Father, we'll be so careful to give you all the praise and give you all the glory, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to look with me real quickly back in verse 20 of this portion of Scripture. The Bible says that when neither sun nor star appeared for many days and the storm continued. Somebody say continued. It continued to rage. Because it, it was one of those kind of trials that just wouldn't stop. It wouldn't let up. Amen. They didn't see any sight. Amen. Any end in sight. And it was one of those kind of trials. And I want to ask you tonight, beloved, have you ever been through a trial or through a hardship in life where it just seemed like it just wouldn't let up? Where it just kept happening over. I mean, you went from one trial to the next trial. I mean, it went from worse to worser. Amen. And it's like going out to the beach. Maybe you've ever, ever been to the beach and you, you start to get in the water and all of a sudden maybe it's high time. You get hit by a wave and it knocks you down and then you're trying to get back up. And before you can get back up, here comes another wave and it knocks you down. And now, now you've got salt water in your eyes and you've got sand in places where it shouldn't be. Amen. And you're trying to make your way through this situation. And it seems like it just doesn't want to let up. But sometimes isn't life like that sometimes where it seems like you go from one trial to the next. And you're thinking, God, what, what, what's going on here? What's really happening? You know, I can't figure this out. But, you know, the Bible goes on to tell us, amen, that they finally had given up hope, amen, of being saved. They quit believing, amen, that they could be saved. They quit believing that things could be different, that things could change. But right there in the middle of all that they were going through, they begin to give up their hope in God. But you know what? God speaks to Paul in a powerful way. And, of course, we know that Paul, he's the great missionary that was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And and, and it was really good that Paul was on that boat that day because God had a plan for Paul's life. Just like God's got a plan for living word here in La Mirada. He's got a plan for you as individuals, for each and every one of your lives. He's got a plan, just like he had a, a plan for Paul's life. And it was a good thing that Paul was on that ship. And I want you to know that any ship or any boat that we are on is better because we're on it. Come on, turn and tell somebody God, God's, God's got a plan for your life. Come on, he's going to fulfill that plan. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 21 that after they had gone a long time without food, in verse 21 it says, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete, and then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. But now, he says, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship is going to be destroyed. And then Paul goes on to say, this is how I know that this is going to happen. He says, because last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, he stood beside me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, what the angel of the Lord was telling him, you can't go down in this storm. You cannot go down in this battle because God's got a bigger battle for you just down the road still. And God, if God said he's going to take you there, he's going to get you there. Amen. And I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but you can't go down in the situation that you're in tonight because God's got bigger fish for you to fry. 
He's got a bigger, amen, battle that you got to fight down the road somewhere down there. But God wants you to know, amen, it's not what it looks like. The Bible goes on to say, amen, and God, amen, has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen. Somebody say it'll happen. He says it'll happen just as he told me. But nevertheless, we're going to run aground on some island. And so I came by tonight, amen, to let you know, amen, it's not what it looks like. You know, apparently as Paul, Paul, you know, as spiritually as he was, amen, as he, apparently he wasn't above telling somebody I told you so. Because he had warned these sailors, amen, that were on this ship trying to get to Italy. And Paul was one of the prisoners that was on this ship because he was preaching the gospel. And, and he hadn't done anything wrong. And how many know that sometimes the reason that we, that we go through things is not because we did something wrong? I mean, even as children of God, sometimes we go through things and it's, be, it's because it's directed by something that we're doing right. You ever come to that place in your Christianity and you say, you know what, from this point on, I'm going to live by faith and I'm going to start tithing. And it seems like for your obedience, hey man, it seems like at the end of the month now you got more bills than you got money. And God's stretching you. And, and it seems like your faith may be failing you because, man, you make a decision. And sometimes when we make a stand for the Lord, sometimes the reward for that stand that we make is a trial. Because God's challenging us to trust him and believe in him. And I want you to know that we can't always know the reason, amen. And I don't know about you, but that could be difficult for me sometimes because I don't know about you. I'm one of those kind of people that want to know the reason why I'm going through. I, I think I'm pretty good, amen, at, at dealing with, 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 with resistance and with trials and hardships. If I got some kind of ideal why it is that I'm going through what I'm going through, if I got some kind of reason. And, and I, I remember years ago when I, I was sitting in my office and I was studying, getting prepared for a Sunday morning. And my son, he came walking past my office and he went into my bathroom. And all of a sudden I heard this aerosol can spray spraying and and I knew it was him. I was messing with him. I go, who, who is that? He goes, it's me, Dad. And he was about 11 years old. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I, I just came up here to say, what's up? What are you doing? I go, no, you didn't. I go, you came up here to use my cologne. I can smell it. He goes, no, no, no. I came up here to say, what's up? What are you, what's, what's, what are you doing? I said, why do you want to lie for? I go, I can smell the cologne on you. And the, his response to me was, well, why can't it be both? Why can't it be both? And for me in this portion of scripture, I hear Paul, first of all, he feels like he's on a ship that he doesn't feel like he rightfully belongs on. And he's being held as a prisoner, amen, for a crime that he did not commit. And he's being accused for things that he hadn't done. And I hear when he's talking, I hear two things. I hear faith, it will happen. But I also hear frustration, amen. This didn't have to happen. I hear both of these things. And Paul says to these satyrs, if you, if, you know, if you had taken my advice... You could have spared yourself this damage. You could have spared yourself this loss. In other words, I mean, the reason about, that we're about to wreck is because you made some bad decisions. But if we stay too long in the reason, we're going to drown, amen, because that, what matters at this point is that somewhere we got to get past the reason why things are happening in our life. And I don't know about you, but this can be a problem, amen, because when we're right in the middle of a trial, when we're right in the middle of going through some hardships, I don't know about you, but we either want to know why or we start playing the blame game. I'm going through this because of you. Come on. Your spouse ever tell you that? Don't look to the left or the right right now, amen. But sometimes, amen, the things that we go through, amen, that's what we do. We want to play the blame game. Come on. If you come from the neighborhood, amen, it's the cop's fault. It's the white man's fault, amen. We want to blame everybody else, and we don't want to take responsibility. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we want to play the blame game. But sometimes, amen, this can be a challenge for some of us, Amen. This can be a problem because even when we're right in the middle of a trial, come on, we either want to know why or we start blaming things. And sometimes I want you to know, come on, we're looking for a reason. I know as a minister, I used to get stuck in the reason. 
I mean, when someone would come to me and they were going through a problem, right away I wanted to spit out every scripture to try to explain to them why they were going through what they were going through. And, and, and you know, maybe they had gone through a loss or maybe they had gone through a tragedy and I, I always felt compelled to give them a reason why it was happening. But at some point I began to realize, wait a minute, Vince, wait a minute. Sometimes when people come to you, they don't need a reason. When they're right in the middle of their storm, when they're right in the middle of the thick of what they may be going through, they don't need a reason. They just need some reassurance that God's with them, that God will never leave them, and that you got their back. That you're going to, you're going to stand side by side with them and you're going to pray them through that thing. And I want you to know, you know if, when, when people are going through things, you know, it's, it's not a time to be giving people a reason. They're not looking for a reason. Trust me, they're not. I've been in this thing for a long time. They're just looking for some reassurance that I don't have to go through this by myself. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Amen, some reassurance. Now here Paul, he's standing right in the middle of the storm, amen, because of the dumb decisions of, that the sailors were making. And I want you to know, you know, have you ever gone through something maybe because of the decision of somebody else? Now, now don't look to the left or the right because they'll know you're referring to them. Come on. You ever run out of gas? <laughs> and you're looking at your spouse, I thought you put gas in the car. We're in this predicament because you didn't take the time, that, you know, and we start doing this, amen? But I want you to know that when we're going through things like this and we're going through storms, amen, Paul's saying, come on, if you would have done what I said, and you not everything that happens to us happens because God wanted it to happen, and certainly not everything that happens to you and I is because the devil did it, because if the devil did it, amen, then God would have had to okay it. That's what I believe tonight, amen? I mean, when you read about the story about Job, Come on, Job, the, 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 Satan and God's having this conversation, and the Lord actually says, have you ever considered my servant Job? And, and the devil starts saying, well, yeah, he, he's blessed because your hand's upon him, but I guarantee if you take your hand, he'll curse you to your face. And, you know, and so, you know, in, in essence, God told him, ponle, go for it. He is, this, is, this is a faithful man. He, he, won't touch, he won't touch the things that he knows he's not supposed to be touching. And so, you know what, when we're going through things, you have to realize that, amen, that it's got to go through the hands of God before it can touch you. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? And so sometimes, amen, when we're going through things, it may seem like all hell's breaking loose in your life, and it may seem like the devil is attacking our lives. And I think sometimes, you know, we use the wrong word because they both start with a D. We want to blame the devil for everything. Come on, sisters, you get a run in your nylon, that lying devil. It had nothing to do with the devil. You got a, you got, you got a hangnail, and come on, are you going to blame the devil for that? Come on, you, things go wrong, amen. You, you, you burn dinner, that lying devil. No, no you weren't paying attention. Amen. Come on. The devil, the cop pulls you over. You, know, you want to start binding the devil. You just ran a red light. Come on. Come on. And I think we want to blame the devil because they both start with the letter D. It's our decisions. We got to take responsibility for the decisions that we make. Come on. Your pastor told you not to date that guy. I said, your pastor told you not to date that guy. But you didn't want to listen. Pastor, I'm lonely. Well, now you've got to suffer for the consequences. Don't pray for rain if you're going to complain about the mud. Oh, come on. It's our decisions. Amen? It is our decisions. So Paul, amen, he says that this didn't have to happen. And I don't know about you, but that could be the hardest thing for me when I feel like something didn't have to happen. Come on, when I, when I feel like I could have avoided something, amen, but, but, it's, but it's not what it looks like, church. Listen, listen to me tonight. It's not what it looks like because sometimes some things are inevitable, they're unavoidable. And, and that's the tension, isn't it, amen? But I realize now, amen, the things that have happened, amen, in my life, amen, it had to happen. Amen. Come on, somebody say it had to happen. You, you know, the Bible tells me that God works all things together for the good, amen. That not all things are good, but he works all things together for the good. 
and that, let, me give you, let me give you a quick testimony real quick where God's brought me from. Like I said, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 19 years old, and I wasn't in church. I was in the living room of my aunt's house. The night my uncle went to be with the Lord, my cousin led me to the Lord. God, that, that day, God invaded my life. And he came and invaded my madness. I was born in Watts on 105th in Compton. I grew up, I grew up and did, went through my adolescence in Compton. I, 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 ran, I was part of a notorious gang in Compton. But, but from the time I was a little kid, my mother, my mother was a prostitute. I'm the results of one of, her, one of her customers. I'm the second to the oldest. Now, if you've never heard my testimony, all I'm going to tell you right now is just keep your hands and your feet and right at all times, amen, because I'm very transparent and raw about where God's done in my life. You see guys, that's, guys that are bald-headed and they're, they got mustaches and they're tattooed. Yeah, I was part of a gang and yeah, I, died, I, was, you know, I got involved in gang violence and I, I was involved in drugs and all that kind of stuff. But my testimony is a little bit different because I'm going to keep it real with you tonight. Is that all right? You see, my mother, her being a prostitute and my father being one of her customers, I've got five siblings. We are all from different dads. Each one of them was my, my mother's customers. And my mom wasn't the kind of customer that took her, her, her customer. My mom wasn't the kind of prostitute that took her customers to a hotel. She brought them home with her. So I constantly see men coming and going all the time, all the time. And from the time that I was three years old, my last name is Margolis. That's not Mexican. My mom was Mexican. My father was a Russian Jew. Hence, my last name, Margolis. She gave him my last name because he told her, if you give, you give that child my last name, I will give you child support for him. I was a lunch ticket for my mom. But from the time I was three years old till I was almost nine years old, being my, the way that my mom was, she was an alcoholic and an epileptic, and that's not a good combination. She would get drunk and she would pass out, and they would take advantage of her, but they would also take advantage of me. From the time I was three till I was almost nine years old, I was raped constantly over and over and over again. And when I say raped, I'm not talking about fondled. I was sodomized and forced to do things that nobody should ever be done. And it's real common you hear women say that they were, they, they, you know, that, that that happened to them. It shouldn't even be common for women, but it happened to me as a child. And, it, it, you know, and it, it messed me up psychologically. And, it, and, and then my, my mom, she finally married my baby brother's dad. And I think he was mad because he was raising somebody else's kids. And this man, he would beat me. He, his, his disciplinary skills and his parenting skills were kind of extremed and warped. He would beat me unconscious. And one of the things that he would do dis, dis, to discipline me, he would, he would not let me eat for, 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 for several days. That was his way of punishing me. And I've talked to all my brothers and sisters. Like I said, I'm the second to the oldest. I've talked to my brothers and sisters. None of this abuse ever happened to them. It only happened to me. And that's not a boo-hoo story. I'm trying to tell you it's not what it looks like. I said, it's not what, it's, what it looks like. And when I turned nine years old, me and my brother, we were like Cain and Abel because we were from different fathers. We looked completely different. He's dark skin. I'm light skin. And his last name was Martinez. My last name is Margolis. And so growing up, we were even, when we finally went through our adolescence, we were from rival gangs. He was from a gang from Watts, and I ran with a gang from Compton. If we'd have ran into each other on the streets, we would have killed one another because we didn't like each other. But when I was nine years old, my older brother held me underwater, and he drowned me to death. They, I literally died. They had to pump the water out of my lungs and shock my heart. It's not what it looks like, church. Trust me. Everything that I've been through in life, all the things that I've been through before I gave my life to the Lord, I've been beaten and left for dead. And you know what? I came to the conclusion. I said, you know, God, I don't know why you chose me to carry this cross. When the Lord began to show me, Vince, I will take a situation and turn it into a revelation. I want you to understand something. I don't know about you, but doesn't it irk you when somebody tells you? Doesn't it just, just tick you off when somebody tells you, I know what you're going through and they've never been through what you've gone through? I don't know about you, but I want to slap people like that. Pray for me. Pray for me. Amen. You have no clue what I've been through. Amen. You have no understanding what's gone through my mind, amen, the things that I've had to endure in life. 
But I thank God because it's not what it looks like because, you know, God's put me in a position. I was one of Chaplain Bob's volunteers. I was his volunteer for almost 18 years and went into a lot of the prisons with him. I've, and, I, and I remember when I, I didn't always share my testimony the way I share it now. I, you know, I would get up and talk about, you know, yeah, I was involved with a gang and yeah, I did drugs. And I, but I never shared this part of my testimony until one day when I was in Chino Prison ministering in one of the chapels. And the Lord told me that day, he says, Vince, I want you to take your spiritual fig leaf off for just a minute and be real. Because it's humiliating to say that I've been raped. It's humiliating to say that my mother was a prostitute. But it's not what it looks like. God says, today you're going to be real about what I've done in your life. You're going you're to be transparent. And God has given me the boldness and the faith they meant to get beyond myself. See, a lot of men have gone through what I've gone through, but they don't get up and talk about it because they're too worried about their title. They're too worried about their reputation. They're too worried about what people think about them. And I don't mean to sound rude. This is my first time getting behind this pulpit, and I want to come back. But listen, I couldn't care less what you think about me. I care what he thinks about me, amen? And if he gave it to me, he gave it to me that he could give it through me. And I want you to know tonight, church, when I was sitting in that chapel and I, and I began to minister, and, and God says, share what I've done in your life. There was this little white guy sitting in the back of the chapel. And as I began to share my testimony, and it was, man, it was so uncomfortable. I was sweating bullets. and It was so uncomfortable to be that transparent about what God's done in my life. And as I was sharing it, he was back at the back of the chapel and he was crying profusely. Just, he, was, he was sobbing. I mean, he was unconsolable. He was just, he was broke. And when you minister in prison, you know, they, you, they, the, to do the altar call, you really can't really spend a lot of time with the, with the inmates. And so they get to walk past the, the altar and they get to shake your hand. You get a couple seconds with them. Well, when he came by the altar, he tells me, he says, Pastor Vince, he goes, I've been, I've been state raised. All my life I've been in prison. He goes, I've come to chapel many times. He goes, I've come to this chapel for the last four years. He says, but you know what? Every time they did an invitation to receive Christ, he goes, I didn't think God could change somebody like me. He goes, but when you were telling your testimony, you were telling my testimony. And God says, that's why you've been through what you've been through, Vince. It's not what it looks like. Because you've been through it. You've walked in those shoes. And man, I cried with this brother. I said, you know what, bro? What God's done in my life, he's going to do it in your life. And as he walked out of there, then God began to show me, that's why you've been through. It had to happen. That's why you've been through what you've been through. And I came by to tell somebody today, you know, don't ever be embarrassed about where God brought you from. Don't ever be embarrassed about how God took you up out of the mire clay. Maybe you, I don't know, maybe you were a pole dancer before you gave your life to Jesus. Amen. That's who you were. That's not who you are. Amen. I said, that's who, that's who you were. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you were a freak. Amen. I don't know. Amen. I can see out there. I can still see some freaks in some of your eyes. Amen. But God loves freaks. Can somebody say amen? He will set you free. Hallelujah. And I thank God, amen, I thank God that he picked me up out of the miry clay. He took me, amen, and put me, amen, on a solid foundation. And I don't know about you tonight, but amen, I thank God that I serve a good God. You know, I serve, I serve an awesome God tonight, amen. And, and, and I was talking to one of my friends, and he's not saved. And I, It was about four or five years ago, I was talking to him, and, and I was explaining to him, amen. And I, I told him, you know what, that at some point, God will show me, amen, why this had to happen. And he began to tell me that he was reverse engineering what I was saying. He goes, you mean you actually believe that this had to happen? And at that time, I couldn't really explain it to him, but God showed me, amen, that what I've been through, it had to happen. I wasn't smart enough, amen, to explain it to him then, amen. And I want you to know that I finally come to a place in my belief system, amen, that I no longer, amen, try to figure out why I've been through what I've been through, amen, whether it was the devil, amen, whether it was God, whether it was my mom, regardless, it had to pass through God's hands, amen, before it hit me. And I've read enough of God's word, amen, to know, amen, that even Joseph's brothers, what they purposed for evil, God turned it around for good. And what the devil purposed for my life, I've tried to come, since I've been saved, listen to me, since I've been walking with the Lord for almost 42 years, I've had cancer three times. I've had two heart attacks. 
I've been hit by a semi as a pedestrian. It been knocked me 25 feet into the air. I've been through a divorce. Come on, somebody. But God has been faithful. It's not what it looks like. Listen, listen to me tonight, church. It's not what it looks like. So when you think about which one was it? Was it the devil? Amen. Was it evil? Was it good? Well, why can't it be both? Why can't it be an attack from the devil or some bad decisions, amen, that somebody made that God puts to good use, amen, and he repurposes it to accomplish his plan in our lives? You've been through what you've been through, amen, because you know what? God wants to use your life. Some of you, you should have been dead. Some of you, amen, you, you, should have, you shouldn't be here tonight. But it's not what it looks like. God's got you here for a reason, amen, and he wants to use your life, amen. He will take the foolishness of this world. I said, he will take the foolishness of this world, amen. And this is what Paul was saying. Yes, it didn't have to happen, amen. We didn't have to go through this storm, and I don't want to blame God, amen. And we could have avoided this, amen. But if we get stuck in the reason, we're going to miss the revelation. Somebody say revelation. You see, I got a revelation tonight, amen, of who God is in my life. And let me tell you tonight, maybe I'm just going to throw your whole world amen, off tonight. God's not good. I said, God's not good. Come on, chicken enchiladas are good. Spaghetti's good. Feels, <laughs> come on. Sunday, chocolate Sundays are good. My God is awesome, amen. He's a great God. He's a mighty God, amen. But Paul, he's trying to get them to understand, amen, that, that you know, what they, what they were going through, what, what was happening in their life, amen, it could have been avoided. He said, but last night, amen, while the storm was raging, last night, amen, I heard a voice from the Lord. God spoke to me, amen. God showed up and reminded me that his purpose is still intact, Amen. Even if the ship goes down. And so let me don't let you know tonight, amen. Even now, Paul's trying to tell, amen. He, God doesn't give Paul a whole series of explanation, amen. He doesn't give him a reason, amen, but he gives him a revelation. And I want you to know tonight that revelation is more powerful than reason. You can't fight the devil with reason because sometimes we don't know, always know the reason, amen. But sometimes we have to go back to what God has already done in your life and show you, amen, that God is still on the throne. You know, when Lazarus died, the Bible tells us that Jesus loved Lazarus. But if you read in the book of John, the Bible says that Jesus was glad that Lazarus died. It almost sounds contradicting. Why would he be glad if his best friend died? Because now we got a situation. And a situation is going to create a revelation. You see, Mary and Martha knew that Jesus could, amen, he could, he could take a little boy's lunch and multiply it and feed a multitude. They knew that he could heal the sick, amen. He, they knew that he could turn water into wine. But now they're going to know Jesus as the resurrection and the life. The Bible says, he that believeth in him, though he were to die, yet shall he live. And I don't know about you, amen. God, here, about 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with mental illness. It's like my chief slipped off my cracker. I couldn't make a sense of reality. Come on. They diagnosed me. They said I had ADHD, OCD, dramatic depression disorder, post-traumatic depression disorder. And the doctor says, Vince, he goes, you're not bipolar. You're multiple polar. We don't even know who you are today. But I thought, you know what, God, if you can set me from, free from heroin, God, you can regulate my mind, Lord God. Uh, you can set things into order in my mind. And so I got a revelation tonight, amen, who God is in my life. I remember one day my son, I asked him to do something. I said, Mio, I want you to go do this. And he looked at me and goes, you know, Dad, I'm not one of those kind of guys that just does things because some, somebody asks me to do it. I need to know the reason why. I go, you need to know. You know, he's 13 years old. He had that demon of teenagers that they know everything. I said, here's a good time for you to move out since you're so smart. Pay your own bills and buy your own peanut butter. But I'm looking at him. And I go, you, you need a reason, huh? Well, check it out, homeboy. I'm going to give you a reason. And it's like the, the spirit of Star Wars came over me. I told him, I'm your father. There's your reason, homeboy. 
Because daddy said to do it, that's why. And sometimes we need to be reminded who he is in our life. Amen. Who God is in our life tonight. Amen. Somebody say, I got a revelation. Oh, come on. And Paul on this ship, amen. He's on this ship, amen. And it seems like all hell's breaking loose. And you know the story. If you've ever read this portion of scripture in the book of Acts where he ends up on that island of Malta and a snake latches to his hand and, you know, they went through the storm and the whole ship got shipwrecked. And all of a sudden, listen to me, church, all of a sudden when they're on this island, Paul thought he needed Malta. But in reality, Malta needed Paul. It was ordained by God. It was orchestrated by God. And I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. You know, maybe you're going through hell. And I'm going to close with this. You know, church, I remember my kids. I always use my kids as illustration because they're a trip. My kids are a trip. They're grown now. My daughter's 40 years old. My son's 37. But I remember when they were little, my son, he had ansias. He would always bite. And I remember he grabbed a hold of my daughter's arm and he bit her. And so my daughter came up to me. She goes, Dad, Josiah bit me. And I looked at her. I go, did you bite him back? She says, no, sir. I said, well, you go back and you tell your brother, you can bite me again if you want to, but I bite back. Go tell him you bite back. Now, I know that's not good parenting, but this is good preaching. Amen. When the devil bites you, Listen to me. When the devil bites you, you tell that punk, I bite back. And I'm not going to waste the pain, amen. And what you try to use to kill me, amen, I'm going to turn it around and use it for the glory of God, amen. And I'm not going to be ashamed of where you brought me from because that's not where I'm going, amen. I'm heaven bound, amen. Don't threaten me with heaven, amen. I know where I'm going. And so listen to me tonight, church. Whatever you might going through, you, you don't realize it tonight. What you're going through may not even be for you. It may be for somebody that's watching you. Brother Phil, people watch your life, and if you know what, if you just hang on to your testimony and hold your mud, people are going to say, man, if he can make it, I can make it. When we're going through trials, we have to understand it's not what it looks like, amen, because other people are watching you. And according to your faith, and according to your, what you're building your life on, amen, that's what's going to make a difference in our world today. Because the world's tired of the counterfeits. They're looking for some real deal. Come on. They're, they're, they don't want that cut stuff. They want something that's uncut, that's real. Come on. That'll just blow your socks off. And so tonight, church, it's not what it looks like. No matter what you're going through, tell yourself that. It's not what it looks like. I'm blessed coming in and going out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a child of the most high God. And I'm going to make it. Come on. I'm going to make it. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence in this place tonight, Lord God. Thank you for showing up, Lord God, and ministering to us. Lord, for the few moments, Lord God, that, Lord God, that I spoke, I know, God, that you challenged some hearts and some lives tonight in this place. You know, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, you know, I don't know what platforms you guys are on for live streaming, but if you're here tonight, you're watching this, and, and, you know, maybe you're sitting in your car, or maybe you're in a hotel room, or maybe you're at home, and you just tuned in, or maybe you're sitting here tonight in the auditorium and you're listening to this. Maybe you've never heard anybody be as raw and as transparent about where God's brought, where God's brought me from. But I'm not going to waste the pain. I bite back. I don't care what people think care what God thinks. God's done too much in my life. I've been in this thing for a little over almost 42 years. And yeah, I've had my highs and I've had my lows. And I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you're on the mountaintop praising the Lord, or maybe you're down in the valley tonight struggling just to make it through another day. But I came here tonight to tell you that whatever you might be going through, you got to tell yourself, it's not what it looks like. God's not done and it's not over. And God's, had a, God's got a plan and he's faithful and he's good. And he will help you tonight. And so tonight, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would be honored. I would be honored. I drove all the way down there from Marietta. I'm three blocks away from Temecula. If you don't know where that's at, it's like five minutes from hell. 
But I want you to know tonight that God knows right where you're at. Right where you're at tonight. And he loves you, friend. This is not, this is not coincidental. I don't believe in coincidence. This is something that God has ordained and orchestrated and give you an opportunity tonight. If you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to play peekaboo with you. You want to give your life to Jesus, then come to the altar tonight. Just get out of your seat and come to the altar. Or if you're watching on live stream on social media on one of the platforms tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to partner with you. Church, I want you to stand to your feet with me. We're going to say this together. For the sake of those that may be watching online, we're going to support their decision by praying with them and believing God with them. I want you just to close your eyes and say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it like you had dinner. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight and I thank you that you provided this opportunity for me tonight. I opened up my heart because I feel you tugging on me. And I ask you tonight, God, to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You paid the ransom to take me out of hostage that I could live an abundant life and be free from my past. Tonight, I invite you in. I surrender all that I am and all that I ever be. I give it to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, tonight, church, I, I ministered on it's not what it looks like. Maybe you're going through hell tonight. You don't understand why is this happening. Well, you don't need a reason. You need a revelation of who God is in your life tonight. He's the same. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. What he did in my life 42 years ago, he can do it in your life tonight. He can give you that stick to to say, you know what, I'm persuaded, God. I'm not turning back. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I'm going to continue to press forward, God, because I know you're faithful even when I'm not faithful. Listen to me, church. I've muffed it. I let go of the hand of hope and walked away from God, and God never let go of me. He says, I'm not done with you, Vince. He put a hook in me and says, you're not getting away from me. And I want you to know tonight, maybe you're in that place tonight. You just need a fresh start. You need a new beginning. I want to open up these altars with quickly. I want to pray for you tonight. Just If you'd get out of your seat, I'd be honored. If you feel like, you know what, just throwing in the towel, you said, man, I, I, I've been through all kinds of hell. You don't know what I've been through. God loves you, friend. And all the pain that you've been through, he doesn't want you to waste that pain. Because what you've gone through, God wants to, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I'm not trying to make light. I'm not trying to make little of what you may have gone through. God loves you, friend, and he wants to touch you tonight. He wants to help you right where you're at, right in your situation. He wants to show you. He can be everything you need him to be when you need him to be it. If you'll just open up your heart. Father, I thank you for these precious souls that have responded. Lord, that have come, Lord God, and they've responded to the invitation, Lord God, to you touching them. Touch my brother tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, what you brought him through. I thank you for sparing him, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Minister your grace.